The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Rody. When you work in quality assurance, perfection comes easy. Tori Tuchilo. When Tori steps on the scene, you are his story. Eugene Henderson. In the game of life, I choose Jeopardy. Maria M. Where I come from, they sing God Save the Queen. The truth is, it's actually me. Becca Simon. If you can't stand the heat come to minnesota jill hirsch your petty drama can't take this warrior down jamie all some people call me cold but it's not me it's that minnesota weather sarah gibbs you may not like the cut of my jet but that's what you get from sarah gibbs richie d if you can't be cool you can't be with caduce megan shah i may be a model but i'll never be your model minority samaj bledson the fun bus is here and i'm driving on the turn Pike. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. Danny McLaughlin. First, I came out, and now I'm coming for everything. Kelly Paper. I may be from down under, but don't ever underestimate me. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Sarah Watkins, Philstein. Playtime is over. This mom means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist bumping, this mama brings the party. Jill Walsh. I made it up the hill myself and I'll kick any jack off. And finally, diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. She won't see it. And then I was like, nope, she's going. (laughs) You guys, hello. Welcome to another episode. As I said last week on the podcast, Arthi's going to be gone for a while. So I think every episode, I'm just going to see which one of our friends is willing to talk to me about the bullshit that happened on Bravo that week. Today, I have Sal from Who Asked Me Podcast. Hi. And I was laughing because she's drinking out of a cup that says, was it say have a good day? It says have a great day, and then when you lift it up, there's a middle finger. On yeah, like a very intense middle finger. It just I just saw it as she was drinking it. Uh, it was great. Welcome. What a Sunday and Monday! Like it's only oh Tuesday, and it's like two days of Bravo, and so much shit has already happened. Salt Lake City aged me, aged <laughs> me by at least two years. I was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like what is going on? And the fact that that was one night one night for them yeah i probably would have been like mary cosby and just like removed myself i honestly don't even feel like it was a whole night i think it was a matter of like anywhere between 35 to 40 minutes of things that happened oh my gosh i mean yeah if you think about it because they got up off the from the table and then whoo just all hell all hell i want to talk about 
this quote unquote Cinco de Mayo dinner because the thing that always takes me out is when like dates don't add up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're having a Cinco de Mayo party, but earlier Jen Shaw rolled on camera with a dumbass wig and a Louis Vuitton hijab trying to celebrate the last day of Ramadan. Well, guess what? Ramadan ended on May 12th. So it, what were you celebrating? Exactly. Why did you have this appropriated dinner in Zion for no reason? You know whose outfit bothered me the most? Yeah. Heather's. Yeah, of course. Because I was like, <laughs> I was like, this headband, if I really had to sit here across from her, because obviously you're trying to be Frida. Yeah. Obviously. Yes. And at what point through the last year and a half did you not realize that maybe I shouldn't do that, Heather? I feel like these women don't realize a lot. Like there's, I mean, we'll get to it, but just the sudden pivot to Mary Cosby has been really strange. And I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about it. But first, we pick back up after this hot mic moment. What did you think about Lisa's hot mic moment? Um, I didn't think that it was iconic as everybody, I use air quotes for everybody who can't see, um, as everybody thinks it was. I know she's trying to say, oh, I took my mic off. There was a boom mic. I don't really care between her and, um, Meredith online saying like, oh, this is a boom mic. Did you say this? That's semantics. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. What she said, the fact that probably 20 minutes later, she's like, I love Meredith and her family. And I'm like, can I get an editor shot of her saying she cheats on her husband, her and her stupid family that poses? Yeah. You love her family? Girl, what? And I mean, just it felt icky to me. I get that their friendship is kind of, you know, taking a turn. Mm -hmm. That was a lot said. Yeah. And I believe it. I believe it. Okay. And that that that's what makes it so bad. Like when you fall out with a friend and then you air their business out like that, like, and also I feel like what frustrates me about Lisa Barlow is that she does not pick a lane to be in. Like she wants to be everybody's friend, but she Mm -hmm. also is not being honest about anything, but she also wants to call people out on not being honest about anything. Like Mm -hmm. there's this like air of, I don't know, not being on the fence that I think that Lisa thinks like Whitney does or Heather does, but Mm -hmm. actually it's Lisa that does it all the time. Like even her seeing the stuff that she said, like I said this last week, I just, I call that like snake weasel shit. Like you Mm -hmm. didn't actually call anybody out. She wants, her big argument is no one has my back. (laughs) Well, and I think you said it on your episode last week, like you broke down, like this is what made her snap. Yeah. Like, and what actually made her snap is like Meredith just like, I don't do that or whatever. She yeah. Said. Yeah. And then she's like, that's so fucking insulting. And I was like, yeah, she is mad mm-hmm. about Meredith saying, I'm so offended that you said that nobody has your back. But it's like Lisa saying nobody has had my back. Meredith is like, how dare you say that I don't have your back? And then when Lisa needs Meredith to have her back, Meredith is like, well, now I'm not going to have your back right. because I'm petty and probably high. Yeah. Oh my God. Allegedly. Ale- listen, I don't know if we need to even drop that allegedly in there. I mean, the I proof is in the pudding. Need to know what is in her Ziploc bag of pills. <laughs> because the way this woman just like, don't talk about, yeah. and it's always the head tilt for me. I told. <laughs> told Donnie I was like she looks like a demon off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer like right before they morph like when she like 
I'm like, oh my God, what? I thought she was going to come out of her body. I thought she was going to physically come out of her body when she was yeah. talking to Whitney. Or I was like, she's going to body slam her. You know, which both I'm very supportive of. With Meredith, it yeah. cracks me up because everybody is right and everybody is wrong in all mm-hmm. of this. Yep. But nobody is more wrong than Whitney and Heather, oh obviously. But I do love watching everybody like gleefully watch Lisa Barlow have a meltdown and shout that she's richer than everybody and she doesn't need to be there. This is one of the funniest parts for me. So when everyone starts coming upstairs and Lisa's yelling, I think she says Jen's name and you kind of see Jen Shaw like start to like rev her engine up. She's like, what? Like, what? And she's like walking for it. And then she sees it's Lisa having a meltdown and she's just like, (laughs) she's just like, oh. Yeah, Jen gets like a Grinch smile on. It's hilarious. She was doing a Grinch smile the whole time. Like when they were talking and then Meredith came in the room, like when they're in the bathroom talking about whoever is dehydrated. (laughs) (laughs) Like she sees Meredith come in. She's like, (laughs) and sneaks over. Jen Shaw loves all of this. Yeah, she absolutely loves it. Like she is sitting around cracking up at the fact that like she is a person who got arrested in the middle of the show and nobody it's only been brought up one single time. It ca- it came up at the fall lunch. She said, "Guys, she did her fake tears and said, "Guys, believe me, it wasn't me. I didn't do it." And everybody's like, "Okay, it's fine, Jen. We're just gonna fight about other shit." Yeah. And recently, when all this stuff was coming out about Jenny's Facebook post, mm-hmm. obviously everybody was like, "Fuck Jenny, she should be fired." Right? Everybody was like angry about Jenny. But somehow, like within, I'd say a matter of thirty six hours, everybody started being really concerned about Jen Shaw potentially getting fired because she said something on social media like we all stopped being mad at jenny and at bravo and we were still mad at bravo but we were mad at we were really angry raging angry at jenny obviously for good reason and then suddenly everybody was like how dare they do this to jen shot and we literally totally forgot what a turn of events what a a turn of events yeah the whole time the whole like three past three episodes they've been having this discourse of like the memorial when did it happen when did Jen get arrested? I'm like, well, she got arrested on my birthday. She got arrested on my birthday. So it's Tuesday. I know that. And she got arrested while I was trying on wedding dresses. I can tell you guys better than this because I will never forget. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you where I was when Luann got arrested, like mm-hmm. through a lot of other things, but I will never forget that because I was like, my first time trying on wedding dresses. It's my birthday, blah, blah. And I pick up my phone, like my mom's there, my friends. And I'm like, <laughs> I could not focus any longer. What do you think of this whole memorial discourse? Like when or what is it? Oh, God, I can't. You know, it's so stupid because as this whole plays out on the episode, first, it's that, you know, Meredith is angry at the table that it was Mm -hmm. even brought up. Then she marches back inside and she's like, fuck everybody. I love that Mary is just kind of a viewer at this point. She's just laying around giving death stares to everybody. (laughs) It's amazing. But then later when Whitney comes over and she starts talking to Meredith, it's like it still doesn't get clarified because everybody is mad at different things. Mm -hmm. Everybody is angry at different things. And that is why they can't have a single conversation about what is actually going on. The women are mad that Meredith was not clear about the date that her memorial was, which was stupid. This all happened because Lisa made a phone call. And when Mm -hmm. she was on the phone, she said, oh, let me leave you to be with your family. She Mm -hmm. didn't say you need to go back to your memorial. She said, I feel stupid even talking to you about this. Right. That's what she said. And 
Meredith, Meredith had okay. <laughs> yeah, Meredith didn't say, "Bitch, I'm in Vale." She said, "Okay," and then hung up because she was probably again super medicated and like about oh, to get on absolutely. a plane. <laughs> absolutely, like, you know. When is you she know? not? My yeah. favorite thing is when it like I'm like, okay, it's wearing off, and, and then you can tell that she probably just re-upped, and it's yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. But like my thing with the whole memorial is it's insulting because it really doesn't mean anything. No. I think Taria had put up like uh something on Instagram was like me and my husband lost, you know, family members every month for this song. And I'm like, me and my fiance went through that like something similar. We lost two friends like suddenly, tragically. Those days run together. I couldn't tell you when the memorial was, when this was, like that's a part of grief. And I as much as Meredith irks me. I really feel like I would have gone berserk. Of course. And I don't blame her for the Whitney analogy with her with Whitney's dad. I really don't. No, not at all. Because you're digging low. You're talking about my father who is deceased. For Whitney's response to be at least Meredith knows where her father is. Oh my God. What an insane thing to say. My goodness, Whitney, you are so dumb. And have we learned nothing on Bravo? These people are too dumb. They can't even follow one single train of thought, let alone a fucking analogy. Mm -mm. They cannot figure it out. So like Meredith is hearing them say, were you with the FBI? (laughs) Is that why you weren't on the Sprinter van? Right. And Meredith was like, the event was on Monday and I was Mm -hmm. en route. So how can you even say that there was no memorial service? Lisa Mm -hmm. has never said that there wasn't a memorial. Lisa has said the memorial was on Monday and Jen got arrested on Tuesday. That's all Lisa has said. Mm -hmm. Heather and Whitney, Tweedledum and Tweedledee, fucking bootleg frickin' frack are here (laughs) being like, oh, oh, well, if Lisa picked up the phone and said, oh, let me leave you to be with your family, then that means that the memorial was happening at that moment. Bitch, how could the memorial be happening at that moment on Tuesday and then her, she meet you in the bathtub in Vail later that afternoon? How stupid are you guys? Exactly. And this is my thing. And I feel like a little bad saying this. First things first, I have never, well, I have secondhand embarrassment often, especially watching these shows. Of course. But with Whitney on Mm -hmm. Sunday and that whole display, I'm embarrassed for you. Mm -hmm. Where is Mary Cosby for Meredith right now? I had to rewind and figure out how we got there because I was like, why are you yelling that? And then when Mary, (laughs) as soon as she approached, Mary reminded me of my mother so much. So much. So much. When she saw Whitney walking her, she said, don't, don't, don't come over here talking (laughs) to me. (laughs) She said, don't, mm -mm, don't. Mm -mm. My mom used to tell us that all the time when she could tell that we were just, she'd be like, stop, don't. Yeah. If yeah. this, if you are not saying something, <laughs> just a statement, don't come over here if it's bullshit. But backtracking, when Whitney tries to like have these moments of revelation of like, yeah. I'm so smart. Look at how I broke this down. I'm just like, I want to scream. I want to scream because you're, you're not. I think I wrote in my notes about eight times, Whitney is so stupid. Like, like she is an idiot. She's a fucking moron. So she goes in and marches in there to have this conversation with Meredith. And then Meredith is like, screams at her as any human would. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, well, what about a private investigator? Like, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) 
It doesn't what do you anything. want me to do? Hire a private investigator? And you know I what I like, would have said to that? I would have said, okay, go for it. I don't know what that would prove. It doesn't prove anything. Go for like, it. I don't give a shit. What are you going to do? Hire a private investigator to see if my father is actually dead or not? Like, how stupid are you? And so she gets all like, all, you know, she thinks that she did something. Mm-mm. And she's like all in there thinking that she like, told Meredith something when actually she just got fucking yelled at. But when Literally. she walks away and Mary just kind of stares at her, Mary's eyes said, literally said, walk away, little girl. Like Literally. Little girl. <laughs> little girl. And then Whitney goes back to the other ladies and she thinks that she's like done a thing. She's like, I tried to apologize to Meredith and she didn't listen to me. So I yelled at her. Like she really thinks that she did a thing. And when Meredith comes back to be like, Whitney, just be clear. Who is speculating about my father's death? They don't actually own any of it. And Mm -mm. they start blaming Lisa. Scramming. They start scramming. (laughs) Yeah. They're literally like, "Uh, uh, uh, I don't know. It was Lisa. And Lisa just marches in and is like, fuck all you guys. You are not bringing me in here. Now, Lisa at this point walks in and is still upset. Not about the memorial. Not about the private investigator. Lisa is still mad at Meredith saying... How dare you say I don't have your back? That is offensive. Oh, gosh. That is the cherry on top of all of these fights because a person walks in with their own narrative of why they're actually angry, but nobody actually says why they're angry. So Mm -hmm. instead, it's just like chaos. And it's literally, it's hilarious. And then once they realize that this is not going anywhere, Meredith and Lisa are fighting about something completely different. Meredith is angry about one thing. Lisa's angry about another thing. They can't figure it out. Suddenly, they decide to escalate it onto Mary, and it's a bizarre pivot. It's like you can't actually get an answer out of Meredith about this memorial because you realize how dumb you look. Mm -hmm. Lisa is angry about a whole other thing. So now instead of remembering the original thread of the conversation, we're just going to turn it into what's up with you and Mary? Like, what about it? And then when Whitney starts running around screaming, it's insane. I love how, like, she's like, Meredith means you. Meredith, she's in the bathroom and we're all being there for her. No, you, I, and I was super no, confused not. about that. You're not, you all aren't being there for her. You no. all just dogpiled on her. Yes. And the, I'm like, you might as well just say, we just bullied your friend. Go see about her. But I love when she's like, she needs you. And then Meredith, Meredith just saunters out of the bathroom and she's like, bitch, what are you? And like, Mary is like, no, no, I'm fine. She will come to me. Whitney marches up to her and Mary says, don't Mm-mm. bother me. Bye. Bye. Whitney, Whitney respo- <laughs> Whitney's response is so stupid. She says, no. Hi. Don't tell me bye. I'm going to say hi. I'm Whitney. <laughs> I was, again, so embarrassed for her as a grown woman. And like, yeah. I think that's, a, well, no, when she was, do, when she was like marching is when I realized like she's wasted. Yeah, like, she is. Because usually Whitney gets those deadpan eyes and yeah. then the the mouth that hangs the open. Mouth, and she's the like, mouth. When she's drunk. <laughs> but I didn't notice that at first because there was so much going on. I kind of realized it when she was pacing in the room and she's like, you know what I said? You know what I said? Yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to hire a private investigator? And yeah. then Jen Shaw's like, that's why you're my bitch. I was like, this hurts me. Yeah. But like, I understand what Mary's talking about. And I mean, this is a lot because Meredith's on pills all the time, allegedly. <laughs> and like, Mary has no problem having a conversation with her. Yeah. Like, Whitney, you are that drunk. 
Yeah. You are that drunk. And it's just like, why are you screaming at this woman? Why are you in your platypus feet stomping through this Airbnb? Just like, where is Mary? Where is Mary Cosby for Mary's now? I was like, why do you care? Because this is what I miss. I miss the storytelling that, yeah, obviously back in the day, old school housewives like Nene, all of them, it was an afterthought of like us being like, wait a minute, why do you care? It wasn't so obvious as it is now. Like you guys are making this so obvious that you're just trying to push your storyline ahead. All of you overproduce and self-produce so much and you're all on your different accords that when you come together, this chaos ensues because you haven't discussed anything. Like you're all on different storylines. And then when they get jumbled together, you're all confused. Yeah. It's like this bizarre, like righteous indignation that they all have of like, I was the one that was deeply wronged and now I'm the one that's going to get my turn to speak up. And, you know, Whitney's pathetic because Whitney keeps thinking that she's having like moments with people. Like she's very much producing to create like gifts and moments and Mm -hmm. these scenes. Like that's what she tried to do in season one when she went up to Jen and was like, Jen, you know, I keep it 100. Uh, wait, let me start over, like about Lisa Barlow. (laughs) And then this season with all of the different like things that she keeps doing on camera, even like marching in against Mary and like screaming at Mary or trying to think that she said something to Meredith and all of this shit. It's it's honestly, it's very telling. Mm -hmm. That ultimately all these women really care about is the storyline and they're Mm -hmm. not realizing how bad this looks. Like, you know, Mary Cosby is a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. She's a lot of different problematic things. But Mary Cosby is the only black woman in this room. And there is a thing about optics, right? Regardless of however weird that relationship between her and Meredith is, Meredith, I believe, is very aware of mm-hmm. what it looks like when all of these white women or yep. and Jen and Jenny decide to pile on to a black woman. Mm-hmm. She realizes it. That's probably why she never wanted to go along with this church cult storyline mm-hmm. in the first place because yep. it's very evident that that was it. That was the plan. Yeah. The plan was always Mary and her church. That's what we're going to go after. Mm-hmm. And while I think that there is something worth going after there if you listen to like we've talked about it when bravo docket girls were on but if you listen to bravo docket also there is a very compelling story there about mary cosby and it Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily result in you being afraid of mary cosby exactly it actually results in you trying to understand this woman who has presented a lot of little cookie crumbs Mm -hmm. in season one when she said yeah i had an arranged marriage and we don't really spend any time together and he takes care of me because he buys me chanel's like if you ever got close to her if you ever tried to get to know her it wouldn't be that mary runs a cult it would be that mary got roped into running a potentially problematic church exactly and i also think that meredith probably with the help of brooks was like i'm not going along with this brooks was probably like mom mom you You cannot you cannot (laughs) and i think that's maybe where some of the downfall of meredith and lisa came to because lisa is like obviously wants to push forward wanted to with that storyline i'm so confused because 
The newest franchise besides Salt Lake City is Potomac. Yes. The Potomac women, I never felt like they were trying as hard as the Salt Lake City women or even that they, I don't know, I really think all of them are naturally <laughs> just characters. Yeah. So you could just put them all in one room. But you, I can really tell that Salt Lake City women are fans. Yes. Like I can tell that they are fans of the show and they've been fans and this is what they've wanted for so long. Yeah. And that's what irks me. Mm-hmm. And like we've had, we have had housewives that have, you know, made it clear like they have watched the show forever, yada, yada. And it's still not this bad. No. Like they still go with the flow and can execute their job. They're even like very aware of the cameras, it mm-hmm. feels like. I do want to bring up one person who's not aware of the cameras or the mics. And obviously that's Mary. Mary has a hot mic moment this oh, episode. No, also. that's a hot mic moment. <laughs> Where she says, I think I wrote it down. Hold on, let me find it. She said, fuck, where is it? In my notes. I know I wrote it down. I should just I should just do a, a search on the word inbred. Aha, there it is. <laughs> Heather and her judgmental self. She has the snobbiness of a true Mormon. Mm-hmm. She don't even know she look inbred. You know what makes that so good, though? It's because I don't even think Mary knew the camera was behind her either. No, not at all. Not at all. She's just looking outside simply, like, again, reminding me. My mom wouldn't say anybody looked inbred, but reminding me of my mother just looking outside at people in their drama while in the house with the doors locked. Like, "Mm, look at her in her raggedy self. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Her true black woman hopped out because she, I just love that, like, even Meredith, they were following each other upstairs. They were following it. Mary did not leave the kitchen. No. She was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) simply not doing this. Like, and I mean, you hear her say, she's like, I don't want to, like, I'm done. I'm done trying with this group. I didn't even see her in the preview for, for the finale, like at whatever party that was. Oh, we. Oh no, she does. Jenny Jenny throws a, mm -mm. That's going to be bad for her. Yeah. I do think that this was sort of the point probably where Mary decided, yeah, no, I can't do this show. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot continue on with the show. I'm going to finish it up. But that's probably where she decided that she's not going to be on the reunion. And I still believe that Mary likely joined the show to give a side of her story because there has always been speculation about Mary Cosby who married her step-grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was her chance to clear that up, but I don't yeah. think that she felt like she had the opportunity to do it. But I also think that Mary doesn't have the introspection to be able to like present it in a way that would make sense to people. Mm-hmm. I think that Mary is socially awkward in that way. I think there's a lot of that stuff. But even later on when they're all back in Salt Lake, I guess, or whatever, the general area home, mm-hmm. They get on their sprinter vans, except for Mary, who decides no. I could not. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get on a van with those women after all of that. I don't know how Meredith did it. Because she wanted to prove something. That's all. And I don't want to prove anything that bad. No, me either. No, I would have been like, give me a plane, a train, a something. I'm not doing this. (laughs) Yeah, I need to decompress. Yeah. I just went on a girl's trip for my mm -hmm. best friend's bachelorette party. And like, I flew there with everybody I flew back by myself I always on trips I fly back by myself not because like anything I did yell at a girl on that trip but (laughs) I did go off on her I was very Katie Maloney (laughs) but um yeah I flew back by myself because I'm like decompress Mm -hmm. but also when they were back in Salt Lake City did you notice the shots of Mary's son during church service that whole church service Jen Shaw does a nice job of at least being respectful. She does. this place of worship. Mm -hmm. 
That's not she her does. place of worship. She definitely is judging the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. But she gives Mary the respect that Mary is looking for. Mary is in her element at mm-hmm. that church. Everybody is seemingly in their element at that church, except for Mary's son, who is like, I would rather be in my bedroom. I just feel badly because he's like 18, 19 at this point. 18, yeah. 18, yeah. That is at the age in the first place when you're kind of like, okay, like, do I really believe this? Well, not mm-hmm. that not the first age, but that's kind of when you start feeling comfortable, like maybe speaking out about it. Yeah. But I really feel for him because I could tell he was just like this whole shebang in the first place. But then now my mom has me on national television. Yes. He seems so uncomfortable and I do feel really, really badly for him. Yeah. Robert Sr. wasn't there, right? Mm-mm. Nope, yeah. he wasn't there. He's been missing this entire season. Uh, and something tells me that maybe around the time that Jen got arrested, that Robert Sr. said, uh, you're going to need to dip. Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to be part of this show anymore. I don't yeah. think that you should do this anymore. And even when they were in Zion, she called Robert Jr. She didn't mm-hmm. call Robert Sr. to right. talk to him about anything that was going on. So I don't know. I mean... People will feel a certain way about how the church scene was shown. Some people felt like it was being played for laughs. I think some of it was being played for laughs, which is the fact that there's a person up there talking about Mary's fashion. I don't think anything else that I saw was something that made me laugh because Mm -mm. I'm Muslim, but I know, I mean, I've watched enough popular culture to know what black churches are like Yeah, to not feel like, this is funny. It just was like, oh yeah, this is Mary in her element. Yeah. My thing with it really just the, all of it was like, okay, whatever. Until the, the woman that was like, Mary, you're my, the best friend I've ever had. That kind of made me uncomfortable to see how they were worshiping her. Yes. Because knowing what we know now and about Cameron and all of that, that kind of made me uncomfortable because I was like, and it's not even that I saw Mary manipulate anybody, you know, she's just sitting there and they're, you know, telling her, giving her all of the praise and worship. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was put in there for laughs. I think it was to show us something that I think they're trying to loop it back to the original. At least be like, yeah, this is Mary and her church. And it is a little odd because I've been to a lot of different churches and not once has anyone ever told the pastor, like, you're the best friend I've ever had. I love Mm -hmm. you so much. You Mm -hmm. are decked down Chanel and da 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 da. And that, and that I was like, yeah. I didn't think that it was weird when like the people with the parishioners were like crying and they were saying like, you know, I'm never going to leave you and stuff. I didn't read that as they're not going to leave the church or they're not going to leave Mary. I think they meant that with like their relationship with God or Christ or whatever. I'm smart enough to be able to parse that out. But I do Mm -hmm. think that when people already have a a knit to pick, if you will, they will look at that and say, oh my God, like, look at this megalomaniac who Mm -hmm. has all these people worshiping her. I mean, certainly the compliments and the you're my best friend and all that stuff was super weird. But I also think like the more I get to know about Mary Cosby's grandmother and the history there and the step grandpa, aka Mary's husband, and all the shit that happened in like the 90s and early 2000s with that guy i don't know if mary's even aware of the shit like the shady shit that's going on in her name at that yeah. church yeah the people who are like why are, why is everyone crying i'm like first of all if you go into a black church and no one's crying something's wrong like I you mean, need to any place of worship you go to any place of worship people are crying you go to a mosque people are crying people crying yeah. for the god 
You godless right? snakes. Do you not know? <laughs> I don't know. I never saw. Okay. I went to a Mormon church. <laughs> I cannot believe my mom let me do this. <laughs> I did go to a Mormon church service one time because I had a really close Mormon friend growing up. They invited me and I kept asking my mom to go. And she was like, and I was like 12. Yeah. And so, and we, like, she always let us like, you know, if we were interested in any religion, she let us explore that. So she hesitantly yeah. <laughs> she let me go to a Mormon church and I saw no one cry there. And I found that very odd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but most churches that are predominantly white, I've never seen anybody cry. Yeah. Well, the way you know. I did growing up in Baptist churches and black churches. Yeah. I think that there's this thing in culture specifically seen in like uh, within people of color, mm-hmm. which is that you keep your feelings in all the mm-hmm. time unless it's for somebody died or mm-hmm. in front of God. Yeah, and I don't even know definitely. if that's something that is common with white folk because I'm not white and neither are you. So mm-hmm. we don't know. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. I was like, where's the music? <laughs> and I went to, I was like, you never any songs? <laughs> hey. I appreciate um, my mom for letting me experience that because uh, that was. <laughs> yeah, that's great on your mom's part. Meredith hosts some sort of a fitness thing, which honestly seemed more like she was literally hooking Whitney and Heather up to like a torture device, lie detectors. (laughs) (laughs) But this is where we find out that Whitney's, again, a dumb fuck. Like, she's like, can you turn this down when we're talking about highly anxious information and I have wires hooked onto me? And I was like, girl, really? And then Heather being like, I don't really believe anything the medical professional tries to sell you. (laughs) What? Heather, you have a completely different face. (laughs) I know. What? I know. She was like, I don't believe in quick fixes sold by modern medicine. Ma'am, that's exactly what plastic surgery is. That's you. I am still baffled by Heather's old face versus her face now because it makes no difference to me. I'm sorry. Looking at Heather back in the day and looking at her now, I have no clue how that person became that person in the facial structure. Like, what? Yeah. You couldn't even open an iPhone with your old face. (laughs) Like, baffling. Baffling. (laughs) Yes. Whitney tells Heather in the car that Meredith said to her, is your father really an addict? Which is very different than saying, I don't believe that you haven't talked to your father, Whitney. Like, are you crazy? And then she's like, that's a low blow for her to say that she doesn't believe that my father's an addict. Like, no, that's not what she said. It was an analogy. I, I often think about this. I'm like, if I had a camera on me, would I actually be Elisa Rinna? And it's like, did you say that? And it's like, "Mm, yeah, I am not sure. Yeah. Okay. Because I get it. Sometimes it's like either having fun, flopping my gums, or I was angry. You know what I mean? So I I don't know. But I think there's power in saying, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is power in saying, I don't know. And I think that I, for the record... I don't think. I know. I know that I am a Lisa Renner and I would say, mm, I don't know if I said that. And then later on, call my husband and say, I definitely fucking said that. <laughs> I just, I don't see, I don't know because I'm one of those people, like if I'm in a social situation, I'm having fun yeah. and like the vibes are flowing. I'm definitely like a Lisa Renner in that aspect when I'm oh, like, totally. you know. Yes. But, and then when I get angry and I'm like arguing with somebody, there definitely is like a 
part where I'm like, I don't remember. Like, even arguing with my fiance, he'll be like, you said this. And I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> did I? Did I? I don't know. It doesn't really? sound like me. And then I'm like, switch the subject. <laughs> yeah. Like, change, yeah. change yeah. the subject. Not focus on me anymore. But I, the fact that Whitney was drunk during that conversation, yeah. too. As somebody who drinks, like, socially and, you know, has been drunk plenty of times before, I find power in being like, I got into an argument and I honestly don't even know what was said after that. But I know she said something about my dad. Like, girl, you're saying it with such conviction. Like, she asked if my dad was even an addict. And it's like, no. no that's not what she said and she thinks she's so smart by being like she's inviting us over because she's trying to cover her ass because we caught her in a lie again it's not a lie and when meredith tells them the date they no longer have a reason to be mad at meredith so instead they pivot to lisa and Mm -hmm. they say oh lisa's the one that said that you had a memorial service the day before so that's why we're confused and again it's like lisa didn't say that she said go be with your family and meredith said okay and then hung up the phone so like the women are not just stupid but they think that the audience is stupid Mm -hmm. and it's also also an insight into like why the world still has like Ramona fans. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Bravo is viewed by a lot of dumb fucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. My thing with the Whitney and Heather, like, I'm like, you two just bounce stupid ideas off of each other because you're relying on the fact that you're probably hated the least. You're on a cast with Jen Shaw. Okay. Jenny, who I believe all of you knew that she was a racist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And that she wasn't going to be received super well. Mary, who has some, who you guys feel like has some super unsavory qualities. Meredith, who is high, allegedly, (laughs) time. And then there's just those two. And it's like, we seem like we're like, oh. And they did get by. They did get, you know, good fan reaction after the first season. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you guys are, and I blame Bravo fandom a little bit because they were like oh heather and whitney are iconic and are this and i'm like no they're not they're not they just had a better season than everybody else okay but they're not iconic i don't think any of these women no i don't think any of these women are iconic i'm just always going to remember meredith's pill (laughs) yeah her 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 come up and come down that happens with the blink of an eye and it's amazing so quickly (laughs) I think we should all remember the big fight that happened at the reunion was Heather and Whitney saying over and over again that Lisa was not Meredith's friend. Mm-hmm. And they took that thread and they really carried it in. And they tried to pull another shit about Mary and about the private investigator and all this shit. But the core of the fight that Heather and Whitney keep trying to have with Lisa is that Meredith and Lisa are not real friends. They're mm-hmm. not genuine friends. There's no real friendship there. And I think it's so strange, but I think ultimately it comes down to Heather, Whitney, and Lisa will never get along. Mm-mm. And they can only get along if they're both fighting against the same people. Like even in Zion, when Lisa is crying because Meredith comes in and is like, did you speculate that my father's memorial wasn't real? And Lisa's like, I didn't say that. I know what I said. Whitney comes over because she doesn't have a leg to stand on, stand on suddenly. She just walks over and she goes, wait, I need to be there for Lisa. And like walks over. She meets her little body over and puts her hands around Lisa. And it's like, but you're the you're the one that's doing all this. Exactly. Oh God, when she said that, I was like, this is something for a therapist to work through. Like, I yes. need to be there for Lisa, even though I just caused all of this. Also, 
on the Lisa subject. It is so not fair that that woman Mm-mm. eats like just she has not a care in the world. I've never seen her drink any water. Yeah. And she looks that way. I don't believe that she doesn't eat healthy when the cameras are off or that she doesn't work out. You can't look that way. <sighs> it's too tight. It's too it tight. Is. And you're too right. Toned. You're right. Because she has abs. Like, yeah. not, not just like skinny girl, not just like a skinny woman no. who's just naturally skinny. She has abs. Yeah. Like, she, she's doing something, but I, that shit gets on my nerves because every once in a while, every like once a quarter, I will crave a McDouble from yeah. McDonald's in a small fry. And first mm-hmm. of all, the way my body reacts when I eat it, okay, the heartburn that sets in within 45 minutes of me consuming it. And then me just feeling in like the things that get swollen on me after that. I was just like, God, this woman promotes Taco Bell and Diet Coke all the time. By the way, I've never really even – I'm not – look at us. I'm now speculating an eating disorder on Lisa Barlow, but fuck you. You get to have that body. I'm going to speculate it. You're lying about what you eat, okay? She uh, yeah. also is like always drinking Diet Coke. Always. And like I don't think Diet Coke is good for you. No. But if she's just drinking Diet Coke, which is I think like what a zero-calorie beverage, if she's drinking Diet Coke all day long and then having like one meal a day, she's essentially intermittent fasting. And – yeah. That's not great for you. Like eventually Mm -hmm. your organs might stop working because you haven't given it water. But it would be maybe why she's thin. But also, again, I believe that she actually does work out. She was like, I don't work out. I eat fast food all the time. It's like the same as fake shit as like mouthing the words that her children are going to say on camera. Oh, my God. I don't believe (laughs) I don't believe that Lisa Barlow is who she pretends to be on camera. I think the real Lisa Barlow is is a woman that's screaming about her friend being a whore and that she doesn't have to be there because she's richer than everybody else. <laughs> That's the real Lisa Barlow. That that is. Well, speaking of uh, fake fucks, <laughs> let's talk about Summer House. Oh my god! I mean, nothing. Not a lot happened this episode, but I not just not a lot happened. Not I, a lot happened. We had this like come down of this Craig Page. Christian Cavallari, maybe Lindsay's involved, maybe Austin's involved, love triangle situation. And then we had Amanda's birthday party, which, surprise, surprise, ended with Amanda crying. For no reason. For no, no reason. reason. Okay, let me say this. The discourse online, and I've long felt this because I was in the original Giggly Squad Facebook group, not because I was Ooh. necessarily a Giggly Squad member, Ooh. but because shit you said, my friend was in it. And she was like, girl, it is a mess and a half in here. I was like, put me in it. <laughs> And so she gave me all the answers because you had to take like answer all these things. And I had no clue the answers to any of them. Mm -hmm. You had to answer all these things. And she just gave me the answer so I could get in it. And that it's a cult. Like the people that stan Hannah and Paige, something's off. Okay. Because I've seen a few things that people are just like, oh, I get to see the beginning of mom and dad. And it's literally the clip of Craig saying, Paige. You're smarter than this. You're weak if you let Lindsay get to you. And even the narrative that he tries to twist that Lindsay just wanted to upset Paige. I'm like, I really hope that Paige isn't believing that. But it's kind of pissing me off that no one is like, no, Lindsay's not purposefully trying to upset Paige. Like not once did anybody say that. I was asked a question. Yeah. Okay. And like Lindsay said, I thought you guys were all just hooking up. I've been watching you make out with Andrea. And now I'm watching you literally look at Craig with googly eyes just so you know, because Lindsay's they have crucified Lindsay for stuff like that before not saying anything. And I'm 
And I'm just like, you guys let this white man come in here and talk crazy and then not even apologize the next day. The fact that Lindsay was like, hey, if I were your friend, like she tried to phrase it, phrase it in a way that it would get through to him. And he, the way he just tried to kiss her on the cheek, oh, it enraged me. Mm-hmm. I am like, that is, Kyle shows us a lot of forms of just like typical white male all the time. Craig, that is an entitled white man. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you owe her an apology. You owe actually a lot of page an apology to a certain extent too and you're literally just drinking a Coors Light jumping in a pool in the Hamptons and like everything's fine everything's fine yeah I called you a loser last night but who cares if things obviously escalated I was like this is what they're teaching red flags like in relationships in school yeah he's a loser first of all he is a loser he's a loser but honestly Paige is kind of a loser too. oh she absolutely is because Paige doesn't want to be the beta in her love triangle right. with Kristen Cavallari. That's really what it is. She doesn't, I don't even know if she, before I say this, she did, They. I, I saw somebody posted about the Giggly Squad. They went to a Giggly Squad live show, which I don't know anybody would pay money for that. By the way, on the topic of the Giggly Squad, if there is a Venn diagram of Giggly Squad fans and Stassi Schroeder fans, yep. it's a circle. Mm-hmm. Because they're all the same. Yep. But there was a live show and apparently at the live show, Craig showed up on stage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Paige said that Andrea was bad at sex and Craig is amazing and they're like very happy together. Oh my God. Yeah. I strongly believe that Paige liked Craig a lot and also liked Andrea a lot. But at the filming of the show, when this show is filming, it is because Craig is in her mind so hot that he could get somebody as amazing as Kristen Cavallari mm-hmm. that really tips him over the edge for her. Like, whoa, he's not just like the most liked guy on Bravo, which I don't understand, but he's also so hot that he gets to fuck this a pseudo A-list reality TV star, like anti-vaxxer, famous anti-vaxxer, Kristen Cavallari. Right. In her mind, it's like, because she said it all throughout the episode. At one point I was like, girl, we get it. Because she's like making her salad. And she's like, I'm going to spit in his salad because that's what you get when you want to fuck other girls. And it's like, weren't you just upstairs making out with Andrea? First of all. Secondly, I hate the whole situation because in my early 20s, I was in that a lot. Like I would, a guy would be like, we're not exclusive. We're not exclusive. Mm -hmm. And you get in your mind like, okay, we're not exclusive. So I am the one like acting a fool. But it's like, for me, for me, to a certain extent, and especially with them, you two are in the public eye. So you ought probably not talk about the relationship if you're not exclusive. Yeah. Okay. But for me back then, I'd be like, okay, we're not exclusive, but I need to realize that I actually want to be, and he actively does not want to be. So I want, I need to, this is the time for me to remove myself. This is the time for me to remove myself. And any guy that constantly reminds you, we're not exclusive, we're not exclusive, Mm -hmm. that is a fucking red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a red flag. And I think that Paige also wants to be like, he had a choice between Kristen Cavallari and me, yes. and he chose me. Yes. And it's like, girl, you and your Amazon lives will be fine with Craig or not. I think Paige is the most afraid of being a beta, but is very aware that she could very easily become a beta in any situation. Like She is not, a beta. She, I mean, yeah. She looks up to somebody like Kristen Cavallari because Kristen Cavallari is like an OG reality, teen mm-hmm. reality star, and she's like made a big name for herself. And I think... In, 
Paige's mind, she looks at somebody like that and feels deeply insecure. Like Paige is somebody who I feel like, and look, listen, pot calling kettle black. Paige is somebody who reads all the negative reviews about herself and like really internalizes it. But she doesn't realize that there's like a whole bunch of other people that are still praising her. But at the same time, puts an outward face like she is living on that praise. But really, Mm -hmm. she's super insecure on the inside. Even her distancing herself from Hannah on the show or getting really, really close to Amanda on the show. But in real life, being very close friends with Hannah and having like a great relationship with her and like essentially being in a business with her, right? Like Mm -hmm. with Giggly Squad. Paige and Giggly Squad, they represent that toxic feminism Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me. And then just like the toxic girl gang culture that (sighs) I could have sworn we all like had a discussion and we're like, yeah, like, because I was listening. Again, I don't know why I even listened to it because I had to turn it off multiple times. But her and Hannah, like trying to be fake deep and being like, if you really think about it, like how kind of messed up is it to have friends from your childhood? Because it's essentially friends that your parents were friends with their parents and they forced you to be friends. Like, what are you talking about? If you just want to tell us that you have no friends from childhood, that's fine. Yeah. It's the excuse and the fake, like making up fake deep shit on why they're not toxic. Well, they're not funny and they're not actually deep. I don't know if they have any value to bring to the world, but I also recognize that unfortunately we exist in a world where what they're selling is this fake pretty girl, girl gang, girl boss, toxic positivity shit Mm -hmm. covered in essentially like mean girl bullying shit. Like that's also why I like don't really care for Amanda because I think Mm -hmm. that Amanda thinks that she's a lot deeper than she is. But you and I have talked about it. Amanda's probably with Kyle because she's really tied to the show. And now to love her boy. Amanda in the previous seasons, Amanda wants to be single. Two seasons ago, do you remember when they all went out? Hannah was still on the show. They all went out to see who could pull the most guys. Yeah. And they're like, it's Amanda. Like Amanda can still pull the most guys. I don't need to go out with my friends to like prove that. And Mm -hmm. even whether me and my fiance are arguing or not, he probably would be like, yeah. Like, really? She even, she's always like, I'm going to ride back to the city with the girls. I want to ride back to the city with girls. What are Mm -hmm. you guys doing after this? Like, Paige is like, just going to my apartment. Like, she wants to do that stuff, but it confuses me because you still can. I go to my friend's house all the time. I go out to lunch with them, but she feels like she needs to have eyes on Kyle all the time. Because she doesn't trust him. Exactly. Well, for good reason. Obviously. Yeah. He didn't get her anything for her birthday. Okay. I would rage. The way I would rage. 30th birthday? I had a very bad 30th birthday party. So I understand Amanda's rage. But also at that point, and even now, I'm not just saying at that point, but never in my relationship did my husband ever black out and cheat on me. So, like, you know, get drunk and not pick up the phone until three o'clock in the morning and then show up after 42 missed calls. Like, my husband has never done that kind of stuff. So, I But I did understand her frustration with her 30th birthday. I think 30th birthday, proposals, anniversaries, these are all things that I think we've, as women, made up in our mind to be these like really big epic things. And mm-hmm. then when they actually happen and they're not as great, it's like a deep disappointment. And then yep. you start to have a meltdown like Amanda did. So I did understand. Well, I think she should have voiced what she was and was not happy with. And like Amanda's a Leo. So something, things are not adding up. Like when she... When she's like, I never make it a big deal to make a big deal on my birthday. I'm like, that I've never met any Leo that does not do that one. But two, I feel like it's one of those things like we can do whatever, like we can do whatever. And then whatever is not fine. No, girl, just say it. I want to do this X, Y and Z. And I want you to figure it out. 
Okay, yeah. I don't want to plan it. But I feel like she sets Kyle mostly up for failure. And then she sets the rest of us up to feel bad for her. I mean, the party was fine. Lindsay yeah. wanted to go get some dick. And she made sure that was okay. She said, Amanda, I'm not leaving right now. But if I leave later and go hook up with somebody, are you going to be upset? Yeah. Says, no. And then yeah. she's crying. Everybody's like off in the room buying tickets when they don't have passports. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> I just love the, like, that wasn't a question that, like, he thought about. Like, sir, you don't know that you don't need the, a passport to go to the Bahamas? Bahamas? It's a whole other country. What are you doing? There's other tropical places that you don't need a passport to go to. Why didn't you just book it to, like, the Virgin Islands? Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally. You didn't have to. Where did you get from zero to the Bahamas with yeah, no passport? Yeah, go to Key West. Like, literally yeah, go anywhere. Yeah, white people love Florida. They love it. They love going to Florida like it's a destination. (laughs) Go to Sedona. Everybody's going to Sedona. I was just there. I thought Kyle was going to be like, I'm joking. Guys, I have something for her. But I'm like, Kyle, not that I'm rooting for you, but you just keep giving them more and more ammo to talk shit about you. Now, as a person who is actively planning a wedding, do you think that planning a wedding is a reason to excuse bad behavior? No. And I'm saying this as a person that is actively planning a wedding and actively terrified about the wedding not happening for non-natural disaster reasons. Like (laughs) I have, like, I don't know why I get this like huge fear of like, for whatever reason, having to cancel the wedding. I'm like the actual, I do understand the actual embarrassment that that would bring. And I'm not on TV. Mm -hmm. I would be humiliated. Mm-hmm. But my fiance does not cheat on me. Yes. Or stay out or not answer my phone calls. He knows. He went to a concert <laughs> and I saw a video of him not with a mask on. And I was like, <laughs> How dare you? I called him once and he didn't answer. And he literally was like, Hi. And I was like, Guess what? You're sleeping on the couch because I saw you with a mask on. <laughs> And we're triple vaxxed. I was like, but I was like, no, like we have so many big things coming up. Like I'm like, COVID test, COVID test. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just like, it's not an reason to excuse bad behavior. I understand you wanting to like you being a little hesitant. But like when she said, what did she say? I'm not going to look for a sign. If it's not supposed to happen, I'll have a sign, but I'm not going to keep looking for it. I was like, well, you do have the sign. You've had multiple, but you're going to say, I'm not going to look for it. You put his stuff out on the, what? Yes. Like, girl, sometimes I'm like, Amanda, don't say that. Yeah. She's driving down the highway and there are multiple signs telling her to take the next exit. There's literally a sign every, like, third of a mile that says, hey, next exit, coming right up, coming right up. And then she's like, ugh, ugh, I didn't see the sign. Like, no, the sign was there. It's always been there. Now, I will say this. My mom would have stepped in and said something by now. Like, especially if it was her money and she can see it. Me and my mom are really close, so I tell her a lot. But I think also if she saw it, like, there's no way her parents watch that show. They can't. They cannot watch that show because my mom would be like, Giselle, we need to sit down and have a conversation, sweetie. If you need help, if you feel like you're not going to be able to bounce back, you know, without him financially, I will help you. I will help you get out of this lover boy contract if that's what you want. But in good faith, I cannot put my money into this and I can't. This is painful for me to watch. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I do not understand any part of it. I had a I had a big panic attack right before I got married. I got married in July of 2011. And by April and May, I was like very fed up with everything. And I realized mm-hmm. now it was just depression. 
and anxiety undiagnosed, but it was really bad, like really not well. And I was just like really depressed. And I met up with my fiance at the time and I gave him my ring and I said, I don't think that we should get married and I'm going to go home and I'm going to talk to my mom about it. And then I did. I went home and I talked to my mom about it and I was like, I gave him the ring back. And it literally, this was like 36 hours that this like went on for. (laughs) But my mom in that moment was like, I want whatever is good for you. I don't mm-hmm. at that point like we were we had everything was mostly paid up already. Like mm-hmm. my parents were like it's not the most important thing for us to have you get married. I'm much right. happier with my daughter single and safe and healthy and her mental mm-hmm. health is good than like married and then for what? Get divorced a couple months later anyway? Like what's the point? Exactly. So any sensible parent would step in. But I also think that with Amanda, there is the fact that she knows where her bread is buttered. Because Mm -hmm. before the show, she was just a graphic designer living in the city, a basic girl from New Jersey. And as a basic girl from New Jersey, I can understand how inviting it is to be part of a reality TV show and become an influencer and all of that. I mean, it's really sad, but Amanda's whole personality on the show has always been Kyle's partner. Yeah. And that's very sad for Amanda. But I think that Amanda is too plain and too insecure to realize that there is a whole other world that she could possibly be. Mm-hmm. I agree. What really, and I mean, it's obviously not my anything to do with me, except for the fact that they keep putting it on my TV screen. The fact that they keep talking about children <laughs> really, really, be, as somebody, again, who is engaged, who's getting married in July, who often has like the baby like thought process because I am going to be 30 next month. Like, yeah, I get it. But if we were in the place that they are in on national TV, I could not in good faith be like, yeah, let's get pregnant. Oh my God. And, and I already feel like people my age right now are like, all right, we got married, time for a baby right now. And I'm like, I, as somebody from a broken family, it's important to me to, and then my partner is not from a broken family. Like he does not understand the whole dynamics of everything that I've seen. So it's really important that we, which obviously we're getting married. So we've had these talks plenty of times, Yeah, but like we're on the same page about everything when it comes to raising a family and how I view things coming from a broken home and how I take into consideration how he views them, like not seeing the things that I've seen. And I'm just like, uh, again, I don't know. I'm not there for these conversations except for the ones they put on my TV screen. But I'm just like, every time she brings up a baby, I'm like, yeah. You can't like I like I said my fiance in the freaking being at the concert like I that is something I thought about. I was like you are not going to be at a fucking concert if we have a baby. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You I love go, our brain. You can go to a concert but like it's like even with the covid thing like but yeah. that's one of those things I think about and I'm like I'm talking about a concert. Kyle yeah. is out at Southampton Social. Okay. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. I think with Amanda, one thing that she said this episode that was really telling was that she thought that when she was 30, she was going to have X, Y, and Z. And I Mm -hmm. think Amanda is somebody who, as Leos are, very much determined people. Mm -hmm. They know exactly what they want. I think Amanda had an expectation of what she thought her life should be by 30, which is, again, as a basic girl from New Jersey, this is very common. Like, oh, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to have a house and all these things. And over multiple seasons, Kyle has complained about Amanda wanting these things and Kyle working harder and harder and harder to give her those things and it not really being aligned with 
Amanda's timeline. So I think Amanda views Kyle and everything that comes with him as a means to the end that she's looking for, which mm-hmm. is to be married, to have money, to have a house, to have children. I think she's purposely ignoring the red flags because she just wants to get to that end. Whereas like somebody like Lindsay has also had this idea of all the things that she wants, but she's not willing to compromise on the person that gets her there. Mm -hmm. She eventually wants to be a mom. She eventually wants to be married. We've seen her amazing timeline, but she's also like not overlooking red flags. Mm -mm. She's like, you didn't make me a sandwich. I'm going to break up with you. Yeah. And honestly, like kudos to Lindsay for not settling because if not settling gets you to Juicy Booty Carl, (laughs) do not fucking settle. Do not settle. When he was leaning up against the wall talking to C or not Sierra Mai. (laughs) Yes. On the bed, I was like, "Get the garbage!" Yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, God, that is a fine man. <laughs> he is so fine. Look at that drumstick. Yeah. You know, with Carl, it's you know those like this is so corny. Moms usually share this kind of stuff on like Facebook or like super religious people. There's always this like meme. It's usually like a cartoon of a child crying because they wanted something that was in front of them that like oh, a yeah. small teddy bear mm-hmm. and then you know it's like jesus or god is hugging yeah, them and it's like <laughs> behind them is like carl. a giant teddy bear and it's like this is what's waiting for you <laughs> carl is Lindsay's teddy bear like yes. carl Lindsay waited she went through all those frogs and look i'm not saying that they're gonna like get married but i hope they the do fact that she gets to be in a committed relationship with not just carl radke but sober juicy butt carl radke is 6.0. like 6.0 oh my god God, it's like a perfect example of like, baby, just like have patience. Like Literally. Amanda, Amanda, do you know what could be waiting for you? Not uh, a smelly man who pisses everywhere, probably smells dude. like shit and sleeps in his outside clothes on his bed. First of all, that is a white people thing because my fiance is Caucasian and yeah. he will let the, I finally got him bring the shoes in the house. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> finally broken through to that. But like he will sit on the bed and I'm like, yeah. The jeans, the jeans you wore outside this house? Yeah. Like but like my thing with Amanda, well, I have multiple things with Amanda. Her behavior, and I had to have the same realization. Me and my fiance, we don't, we go out a lot. Like we work yeah. in the hospitality scene. Like we have a lot of connections, things like that. I, we had to have this talk. Like, and I was a very much so Amanda. I was like, you go out, you're stumbling around everywhere. You're drunk. You're an idiot. We've had friends, you know, die in tragic accidents. So I, my anxiety is high. And again, that's not even from on a cheating aspect. Mine is from a safety aspect. And he's like, Giselle, I understand what you're saying and you're not wrong. You and your friends go out though. And I'm like, well, I'm smarter than you guys. Like, than you guys like you just don't pay attention and you don't like what if a car is coming and blah blah yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I understand that he was like but do you understand like you are doing the same things that I'm doing mm-hmm. and it doesn't make he's like do you think that maybe I don't worry and I have to like realize that I'm not gonna tell him that he needs to chill out on his drinking and stuff and then go be humping a fucking pool float and <laughs> kicking cans off the side of the pool and dancing and stuff like what I, it's a even Lindsay said this like she's like on watch what happens live she's like well I actually haven't had a drink in like two months in solidarity with Kyle I do believe that if you're or with Carl I do believe that if you're going to be in a 
relationship or have a partner that is sober that you, and especially the beginning of their sober journey, like the beginning, you do need to make an active point. Like, yeah, yeah, you can have a glass of wine with friends, but you need to make an active point because then at what point are you just in their face? Like, oh, I'm fucked up, but you can't be like, it's wrong for you to do it, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not, it's not fair. And that's my thing with Amanda because she's just, and you and Artie said it last week, you know, she does these things to like break him down. Yeah. Break him down actively. And then when he does, she's like, okay, I love you. Like yeah, it's, like- it's weird. It's very toxic. And, you know, I think Amanda is somebody, I would imagine, is somebody who would not want to make him do that because then she would have to accept the fact that she herself needs to change, but also that she has chosen to be with a person with a substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. And something about Amanda tells me that she wouldn't ever want to admit something like that. Like, oh, the person I chose has this specific problem, even though like they love Carl. They are obsessed with him and they think that he's like done so much better for himself. I think Amanda feels like somebody who wouldn't want to admit that because that would to her, it would be a reflection on her that she chose a guy like that. It's better for her to just say he gets drunk sometimes and he acts out. But otherwise, he's like a really great guy Mm -hmm. when I don't know how great of a guy Kyle is. They all have. And that's right. I mean, Hannah told us last year because we watched this show and we're like, what the fuck? Danielle falling asleep last night on that chair. I was like, thank you. I'm tired of watching you guys party and party and party and not fall asleep during the day. When I was in Mexico, literally, I was like, drink, go to sleep, get up, do the activity. When we went to the beach club on day three, I literally was like, no one talked to me. Okay. Yeah. And I was laying on that day bed, passed out. I was like, thank you, Danielle, for passing out. Because like, Hannah told us like they take Adderall and do whatever else like she told us that last season I mean it was obvious because like you guys are drinking 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 and not stopping until two and three in the morning yeah um what do you think of this conversation that Sierra your arch nemesis has with Lindsay about Austin (laughs) I'm so I was rooting for you Sierra like I and just in solidarity like the only black girl in the room I'm yeah. like, girl, I got your back. I And I still do to a certain point, And I have been finding myself checking myself mm-hmm. lately. I'm not trying to downplay Sierra's blackness or doubt it because I am a person that has had that happen to me so many times, especially mm-hmm. is more so recently, especially with the profession I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, people telling me, oh, you're not black enough. You're not this. You're not that. My thing with Sierra is her actions. And the people she surrounds herself with. Now, what I did realize last night is I feel like Sierra is used to being the only black girl around. Mm. And she, it seems to me that she kind of uses that. Like, even when she like comes and talks to grabs Lindsay, she's not like, Hey, Lindsay, can I talk to you? She literally is like, no, I'm here to talk to Lindsay. Mm. And Lind- and again, as a black girl that has used her power for good and evil before to scare white people, <laughs> I have done that. I've been like, you and I need to go talk. And I haven't left it up to like, a. and I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It got me what I wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. But, and then to separate and be like, well, 
I'm just wondering what's going on with you and Austin. I'm sorry. I felt that. Like, you know everything we need to know. I'm rolling around in a bed with my best friend being silly and goofy. I don't want to talk about fucking Austin right now. Like Lindsay said, I'm trying to fuck the bartender at this very moment. You know everything you need to know. But I saw it set up for what I'm sure the fight is going to be when Austin does eventually come to the house. But Lindsay didn't lie. She said, at this moment, you know everything. Lindsay basically said, hey, Sierra, use your fucking brain yeah like there's nothing going on here stop trying to make fetch happen it's nothing happened and why are you concerned about it he was supposed to come he didn't come you look stupid once again why do you keep talking about this dude like i do not fucking get it with the craig or especially with the austin but my thing that i'm never ever going to get over with austin and craig is them going live with tommy laren yeah. during the a heightened time in the black lives matter movement yeah. And spewing mm-hmm. in the shit that she was spewing. See her as a black woman, like, what? I could mm-hmm. not even entertain that shit. You know, I will always judge people on reality TV on the choices that they make on camera. Yeah. And the choices that Sierra has made on camera just, it's again, I was rooting for you. And like the choices you keep making on camera keep making me like, oh my God, I'm like Homer in the bushes hiding myself being like, why are you doing this? Like, I feel the same way about like so many people on reality TV, often a person who feels like somebody I should be able to relate to or Mm -hmm. somebody who is, you know, the diversity hire essentially that Bravo was doing across the board. Like I felt this way about Anila in Married to Medicine. She mm-hmm. was so fucking cringy. Like I feel really frustrated watching people who I am rooting for make bad decisions on reality TV. Right. But I have to remind myself that unless they have another job, if this is their only job, they're going to do dumbass shit to try to get more camera time. And I'm right. going to try to say that that is why Sierra continues to play into these things about her. Like everyone's like, haha, like you're dirty. My mom would kill me if yeah. I was on camera literally that is not how sierra was raised no and you know i feel bad because i was on twitter and i had to check myself because again like i'm talking black girl to black girl like that like me and sierra i just somebody was like sierra's just not fun and i liked it and then i was like i feel badly about that because i know that there's been plenty of times when i've been in those situations with predominantly white people predominantly mm-hmm. white peers and mm-hmm. somebody is like you're not fun and i'm like i am having a private experience as a black person right now as the only black person here and you would never fucking understand that but i'm like she has maya and there's just something for me something to be said about the fact that i've known maya for three or four episodes now Mm -hmm. and she has shown me her bonnet okay (laughs) she has talked to us more it seems been more authentic to herself than Sierra has been her first Sierra's first season she was very quiet last season like Mm -hmm. that's just how I felt and I don't really have like a uh, about that but now it just seems like she's attaching herself to Paige so much and like that fandom still while posting you know Black Lives Matter and things like that and don't be wrong being a black person is not linear I know her experience some of her experiences especially growing up in the south are different than mine but there's just a few things that I'm just like girl really you just said something that I think pinned it for me which is it's the aligning herself with that fandom with the giggly squad I think there's something about Sierra basically sitting in now Hannah's spot and essentially tagging herself along with Paige and knowing what Hannah and Paige and their fandom looks like and the kind of shit that they support. And now the Austin part of it, like all of those things make me frustrated 
with her, with Sierra, not because I think that she agrees with any of the stuff that they're doing, but it's it's a double-edged sword. I'm like, you should be more sensible to know that you're a public figure now and look at the kind of people that you're aligning yourself with. But at the same time, I have to give her grace because a white person who did that wouldn't have to hold the weight of being mm-hmm. the one person representing who they are right. and all their people. So it's, it is, it's a double-edged sword. I personally am annoyed with Sierra more so obviously because of the Austin part because I'm like, I don't trust your sense of judgment. Mm -hmm. I will say Sierra early on in her season talked about her hair. Like in her first season, she talked about her hair and having straight hair because, you know, that's something she needs to do in her profession. And I think she and Danielle had that conversation uh, last season, Mm -hmm. which was like really insightful. And it was like great of like women of color and how their hair is perceived at like at work. She talked about her dad a little bit. But then after that, her whole thing was she was brought in as a storyline for Hannah and Luke. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like she's being brought in as a storyline about Austin and Craig and Paige. Mm -hmm. A supporting character for white people. Yeah. I want you to have your own thing. Mm -hmm. I want you to have your own thing. We're not on reality TV. There's much more that goes into them. And my thing, like, again, I had to, I have to check myself because Sierra's not me and I'm not her. I have, when I feel like I am the token, I get very like the fire sign in me, like the fire starts to rage in my belly. And I'm something in me is always like act out and do not give these white people what they want. (laughs) Like I get Mm -hmm. very radical, like very quickly. And I know that that's not, I'm not saying that that's right in any way, shape or form. And that's what she needs to do. It's just the Again, supporting character for the white storyline. And I don't even know like if they realize that. And I'm very interested to see next week what Maya is talking about. Like she's like, I have to talk to the house about and what Sierra is crying about. Because even though my feelings aside about Sierra... I see the two black girls in the house crying and then they yes. show Amanda and Paige's face in there. It was very much so like giving white confusion. Yeah. 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 When I saw that, now I was like, I was literally like, what is going on? Yeah. I think there's also something like in terms of checking ourselves, right? There is something that automatically when we see two people of color on a TV show, we automatically want to like compare mm-hmm. one to the other. Even the way the show is edited, there's a lot of scenes that are like Sierra than Maya, Sierra than Maya. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like even the editing is done in a way to make us compare the two or remind us that these are two black women on the show in a, in a particular way. And I don't know what the solution of that is. Like, I don't right. know how to figure that out because obviously on an all black franchise, we don't do that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a diverse crew. We don't really do that. But there is something I need to check myself about, like how well I've gotten to know Maya in three episodes and then me feeling like, ugh, Sierra's just like uh, an anchor for Austin's storyline. Like Mm -hmm. that's not maybe what Sierra had tried to do on the show. It's possible that she presented herself differently. It's possible that Maya presented herself differently. But comparing the two and how they're represented isn't necessarily so much comparing the two women, but Mm -hmm. also just for me as a viewer to have an insight into like, how are these two black women even shown on the show? Right. And how do we as viewers process it considering all of the other bullshit that happens on the show Mm -hmm. are we holding them to a different standard even as viewers because they remind us of us Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that even with maya i think personally i probably just personally relate to maya a little bit better um just in general because even when she last night when she was like oh Lindsay, where are you guys going like can 
multiple mm-hmm. people go and Lindsay was like I don't think there was any necessarily anything wrong with what Lindsay said she was like no like I can only bring like one person I'm obviously gonna bring Danielle and Maya got upset I was like "Ooh, that is a me private experience and she yeah. was like that's and she gets it together really quick she seems like my self-aware queen and she's yeah. like that's just not what I would have said <laughs> and yeah. I'm like because I have to when I start getting upset like that I'm like well Giselle that's just not what you would have said but doesn't mean that somebody else said it that way that it's wrong but I'm just like I think she's just I don't want to call her more relatable because I do think Sierra is relatable to somebody but for me Maya mm-hmm. is more relatable even to and I don't know how to phrase this properly to make it not sound ridiculous on both sides I love Maya because she just has the most for me like for me watching Summer House and body stuff I'm just like oh, yeah. all of these fucking girls Amanda you're you've got a great rack and a tiny yeah. waist Paige is just tiny Sierra is tiny got that plump little booty and I'm like Maya looks amazing she but she's just she's not cut she's not anything but like I'm like yes girl like yeah yeah you There's, look great you look yeah. like I probably would and like and I was just like going through her Instagram and I was just like god she's so relatable <laughs> me and I'm just I think that was another thing and I'm like she didn't come in with her like electro light abs like electric yeah. shock abs like the rest of them do and she's just like and I like to cook and I bake cookies and I'm just like god I love you <laughs> she's coming on very relatable because she's actually making an effort to have a real relationship with these people like that scene where she's sitting with Carl and just like talking to him about like being a homebody and all that mm-hmm. stuff and it's nice because that conversation with Carl in previous seasons with anybody else would have been like oh you're having a conversation with him do you like him like I remember he and Jules had that a couple of seasons ago and then there was this like the way it was queued up on the show was to make it look like Jules and Carl were gonna hook up but Mm -hmm. Jules and Carl were just like being friendly with each other right and I think that with Maya I like that she seems like she has a personality outside of being like an influencer I mean truly that's what I liked about Sierra also was because she's a nurse but this season Sierra's only job is being on the show listen I have a lot of nurse friends that quit during the pandemic and like we couldn't take it and I completely understand that I can't even see throw up so like I get it but like I don't know I always felt like Sierra like she came on for a reason she probably wanted to get away from nursing which is her prerogative like absolutely Mm -hmm. I feel that girl I felt like she always wanted to be an influencer she always wanted to have that attention and she's like she's got her path that she wants to take and I think that that's great but I could always I can always tell when somebody wants the fame yeah I mean she's a model yeah to me, so, she is a model. She's freaking I mean, she's gorgeous. She's a model. Yeah. Like Hannah, you could always tell that she was always reaching for like the meme, GIF worthy, like what's going to make people talk about me. And now she's performing in basement clubs in New York. I mean, still I mean, further than what I've where I'm at, but still. <laughs> <laughs> the part I don't want to lose on Summer House is I don't want the entire cast to get replaced by influencers or mm-hmm. pseudo influencers or people trying to get famous. Same. Like that's was that was my issue with Winter House was it felt like everybody was just auditioning. It was just a model's auditioning coming in trying to get Julia. some screen time, some air time. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird. That's something that I hope we don't get on Summer House but like with Alex who is has the personality of a wet towel that's what I felt like I'm getting and even when Paige and Hannah joined the show I do think Paige is entertaining so there is that but I it took away the part the heart of Mm -hmm. Summer House which is these are people who have other jobs during the weekday and when they come on the weekends they get drunk and they party because that's their time to do so with their friends and Mm. that's the point what is happening sort of on summer house with Paige and with 
when Hannah was on and now with Sierra essentially leaning into her being a model is that I don't know what you guys are doing Monday through Friday Mm -hmm. that you are coming then to the shore house to do anything besides be on camera and collect a check. Amazon Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're doing that, you're essentially becoming a glorified like Vanderpump Rules. Or I just that's the part of it that I don't want to lose on Summer House. And I like Maya because she feels like a person who has a life outside of the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that anytime, even when it's whether it's reality TV or even honestly with podcasting or people who run like social media accounts and meme accounts and shit, if you don't have a life outside of the hobby that you have. You're in danger, girl. Seriously. I often keep thinking about where we're going with Summer House after this season because one, Lindsay, I really, we've been saying Lindsay is making that pivot into Real Housewives territory. Oh, Get her. Yes. I don't want her off Bravo. I just want her on a different show. Yeah. Um, Amanda, Kyle, what's that going to look like? Because I don't even want to be in the short house with you fucking arguing, let alone with a fucking baby. Oh my God. Like, I feel like I see that from both ways. I don't, as a person that wouldn't have a child, I wouldn't want to be in the shore house with them. And then the person with the child. Yeah. I'm not, you guys are raging, doing God knows what, and I'm trying to cluster feed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. I'm trying yeah. to sleep train this baby. I yeah, can't be in the Hamptons. Literally, somebody's going to start screaming and yelling and crying and my nipples are going to start. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh my God, that was so real because yes, that totally happened. (laughs) Like years after you stop breastfeeding, you hear a baby crying and you're like, well, if anybody needs to top off their coffee, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Well, this is great. We did so much psychoanalysis of these dumbasses that I wasn't, we were like, nothing happened on (laughs) Summer House and we talked about it for 45 minutes. Literally. Um, Okay. Well, tell everybody where they can find you and uh, about your podcast and everything. All right. So you can find me over on Instagram at who asked me podcast. And that is the name of my podcast. Who asked me? I'm on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, all of the places that you look for your podcast. Awesome. And all the information will be in the bio of this episode. So bio. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody else listening, we will catch you on Saturday. Bye. Bye. The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lily. Some people say I'm too much, but she's just starting. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental, and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can take you down. Amanda Agosti. Some Amandas are text bots, but this Amanda is as real as it gets. Ade Ade Dokun. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but actually I'm just smoking it. Paula Bretrude. If you think I'm a bitch, you're probably right, and you probably deserved it. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets, and I get it all. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back, and also my unsolicited opinion. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. 
Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Hadil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Srinidhi Subramaniam. I have four degrees, eight syllables, and zero Fs to give. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shade. Brianna Tooney. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. And finally, Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. 